Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions and remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. morning. God is good. Real quick, the reason I wasn't here Wednesday is I didn't know how to do a COVID test. So on Tuesday, they said, you have some patients need COVID tests. So I said, well, want to show me how to do it. So they uh, demonstrated it on me. And the little line said that I had it. So they sent me home. I had no idea I had it. I had a little bit of a stuffy nose, which is normal for this time of year for me. Uh, I was tired, which is a normal thing for me. And that was the extent of what I had. By the way, I had a completely clear COVID test this morning. I wasn't going to come if I still had it. So naturally, had I not tested, I would have been here Wednesday night. I would have been at uh, Tuesday with a bunch of people that didn't need to have it. That's one of the things. There's a lot. It's so different now from what it was. So... Don't run around all freaked out about COVID because it, in most cases, is just a mild cold. That's all it is now. It's the same thing as everybody getting a cold every year. And as a matter of fact, the symptoms of the COVID now are much less than that of uh, the flu. And in many cases, a cold. So uh, thank you for the prayers. I really do appreciate that. But again, I would never have gone and been tested because there was no way you could have convinced me on the planet that I had that if uh, it had not been for the test. And this morning I was perfectly clear. I'll be glad to show you the lollipop. Uh, I call them lollipops, what they look like. But um, pray for a lot lot of the ones, though, that right now are freaked out about it because that's causing people more distress from what the government's put on the websites and made everybody a nervous wreck about something that they don't need to be nervous about. And I'm going to tell you why. You know who I serve? I serve Jehovah. You know what I know about Jehovah? Jehovah. Nothing can happen to me until it's time. By the way, nothing's going to stop when it's time. Amen? So if you serve the same God I do, you can rest in that plan, in God's purpose, because height nor depth, angels, principalities, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? By the way, if you want something to be concerned about, you have a greater danger of getting in your car going home today than COVID ever dreamed of giving you right now, okay? So be very, very careful when you drive because that's a lot more dangerous than the things out here. So just what I'm saying is trust in God alone. Rest in his plan, his purpose, because he is an awesome God and he has it all under control. I'm so thankful to be. It's a beautiful day, amen? It is gorgeous. If you've not had an ability to get outside and enjoy this, I pity you. Take some time to go out and enjoy the beauty of God's creation. It has been absolutely unmatched in God's, uh, the beautiful autumn, the fall that he's given us this year. And on top of that, because the government couldn't even pass something as simple as stopping daylight savings time, you got an extra hour to sleep today, all right, (laughs) until you have to give it back in the spring. Hopefully they can function correctly for a few minutes and get that passed so that we don't have to go back and forth if they would... uh, Past something so simple, but I believe I'm, I'm doing what's called wishful thinking. Amen? Turn your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 27. <clears throat> Acts 27. I'm going to tell you too, I appreciate Eddie. I know Brother Jackie did an awesome job Wednesday. Eddie has, is, I tell Eddie all the time, and I need to say it more in front of you all, Eddie is a blessing. I love Eddie to death. We literally, uh, as far as our music choices, it's so amazing we mesh together like oil and water. Always joking about it. He says, I get off the Mayflower and I call Eddie the Christian rock and roller. But uh, I really thank God for Eddie. Appreciate all that he does. He has filled in and, and been there time and time again. So give Eddie a hug and time you see him and thank him for me. But really do because the blessing of having two people that get along as well as Eddie and I do is very rare in ministry these days. I hear so much about pastors and there's this friction going on between that and the music director so I thank God for him Carol behind every good godly man is a good godly woman so I thank the Lord for you guys in the ministry we are so blessed each of the people that God has put in this body of Christ we could not ask for a bunch of a more amazing people that love the Lord love God's word and by the way reach out if there's somebody in your pew today that's usually there and not 
please reach out to them. Shoot them a quick text. Let them know you missed them. Make sure there's nothing that you can do for them. If nothing else, pray more effectively for one another. This morning, we're going to be in chapter 27, verses 13 through 26 today. We're continuing our study through the book of Acts, which we're actually going to be done with, I'm hoping, before we go into the Advent season. So we, uh, this morning, going to just cover real quickly what we looked at last week when we went through verses 1 through 12 of this chapter. That was titled, Godly Discernment. The three takeaways were, number one, we can make all the plans we want, but only God's plans will prevail. In the life of a yielded follower of Christ, God's plans are going to prevail. God will use the mess that we make. Just don't forget that. Keep that in mind. Because you might say, you know what, I'll just do whatever it is. It's going to be God's plan. No. Ask Samson. Ask the King Saul. Many people that step outside of God's plan, God will still use what you do for his glory. God's going to work that in. I promise you, you cannot thwart God's plan. But remember this. When you and I are yielded to what God wants us to do, he's going to open every door. He's going to place every step. And we will be able to be a part of the hands and feet of God's providential plan, which is so much of a greater blessing than allowing ourselves to become one of the caution signs in the annuals of history. You do not want to be a caution sign. That is not a place of honor as a follower of Christ. The second thing we looked at was nothing happens by chance in the lives of Christians. Again, God's providence, it just lays out step by step. God, right now, in every one of our lives, we have been created with a set specific purpose. Scripture says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Just something as wild as last Sunday, God ended up having someone here that I was able to minister to that you'd have never in a million years thought that God would have placed here. All of the things that had to happen for a person to be here that needed to be ministered to, that is how God works. God is on the throne. He knows what's going on. All we have to do is be yielded to him once again where God wants us at the right time, and then God will open those doors. God will lead us as the shepherd does his sheep to the water. He'll lead us to green pastures and everything in between. And then the third thing we looked at was this. The world cannot see the spiritual insight that we have. God gives us spiritual insight, the spiritual things that God allows us to be a part of, the spiritual discernment that God gives you or gives me is not something that the world, the blessing of, the God doesn't bless the world with that. God gives insight, spiritual insight, spiritual discernment to followers of Christ to greater be a more effective tool to be used for the kingdom. Be mindful of that. It's just like when we go into an arena that God opens a door for us to share the gospel with someone, and then you, you will say afterwards, or somebody with you will go, wow, you knew exactly what to say. Don't go, you know, it's just, no. You attribute that to where that came from, and that is from the Lord above. God will not only open those doors, but will put the words in our mouths when we are yielded to him. We're watching that with Paul's entire life from the time on the Damascus Road conversion to the time that he breathes his final breath. Literally everything was divinely orchestrated of God, even the imprisonments, the beatings. We're going to see today that ultimately a shipwreck occurs as part of God's providential plan in placing the Apostle Paul exactly where God wanted him to be at the right time. You might think, now how in the world would this and all these other people affected by that, you really think God would? Yes, he would. He will because the plan to reach people with the good news of the gospel trumps all other. Amen? That is the most important thing. God's desire for mankind is to hear the gospel, the good news, the truth, and to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Now, those people on the boat we're going to see, they get the gospel presented to them. What they do with it, is strictly up to them. The same way with us. We can sit in here our entire lives from the cradle to the grave in a church. Every single Sunday, you can be involved in every Sunday school class, in every project, in every missions, in every ministry, and actually be involved in the work of ministry your entire life. And you know what can actually happen still? You can die lost and without hope. Why? Because knowledge of truth does absolutely nothing if that truth does not permeate the heart and it end in a transforming work of God by confessing our sin, placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and allowing that to go 
from head knowledge to heart knowledge. So many times in my life, I have seen people that had all the head knowledge in the world, but their life was completely different. They had not walking transformed the same way I was until I came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. So again, all that knowledge in the world does nothing if it does not transform you. Hope you found Acts 27 again, verses 13 through 26. And if you are physically able this morning, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. When a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought that they'd achieved their purpose. They weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. But not long afterward, a fierce wind called a northeaster rushed down from the island. Since the ship was caught and was unable to head into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. After running under the shelter of a little island called Katia, we were barely able to get control of the skiff. After hoisting it up, they used ropes and tackle and girded the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground in the Sardis, they lowered the drift anchor, and in this way they were driven along. Because we were being severely battered by the storm, they began to jettison the cargo the next day. On the third day, they threw the ship's gear overboard with their own hands. For many days, neither sun nor stars appeared, and the severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope that we would be saved was disappearing. Since many were going without food, Paul stood up among them and said, You men should have followed my advice and not set sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives but only the ship. For this night, an angel of God that I belong to, the angel of the God I belong to and serve, stood by me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and look. God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, take courage, men, because I believe God that it will be just as it was told to me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Father, thank you this morning, Lord, for the privilege of your word. God, as we've been able to see Time and time again, as we've gone through this book, Father, the providential blessing, the protection and all that you've done for Paul, Lord, as you brought him from someone who was completely lost and without hope, to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray you continue to lay bare areas of our life, Lord, that need to be dealt with. Lord, our lives, Lord, in, in ways that may potentially not be yielded to you. Father, I pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts through the Holy Spirit's power convict ones made in this building or watching online that do not know you as Lord and Savior. And God, I just pray in assemblies all over the globe, Lord, that the word would go forth in power and accomplish what it was sent to accomplish, Lord. Have your way. We ask all this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Anybody else love this story like I do? I absolutely love this story. It is always, um, I don't know, I think it's just profound in every aspect how God divinely leads Paul. But even still with this story, it really speaks to how broad the reach of God is in doing what God wants to do in our lives. Amen? You see this shipwreck that's going to occur in each and every step through it. You're like, man, God is absolutely passionate about his people. He's passionate about people that are lost and don't know the love of God in Christ Jesus. And you're literally watching this play out. Look at verse 13 again. When a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought that they'd achieved their purpose. They weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. The first thing that I want to share with you comes from that verse this morning, and it's this. We may think we can outsmart God, but it will not happen. You think about the boat's captain. What is their desire? They've got this financial motive that they want to get done. They are ready to get this ship where it needs to be. And by the way, they've outsmarted this now. They've, they've kind of gotten away from the danger that they were facing, so they think. How many times have we believed that we can outsmart God? You know what? I can live like I want to because remember, by the way, God only cares that I'm happy anyways, right? 
Oh, I, I, you know what? I don't, uh, I don't like what the Bible says about that. But remember, uh, because uh, people were involved in the writing of it, 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 I just don't believe it. You don't have to. By the way, if God can't give us his word untainted, not only is he not God, but we're all we're doomed. Every one of us are. Amen? So don't buy that lie that, oh, just because you or I don't like what the word of God says to us, even something as simple as don't forsake the assembling. And we want to give all these excuses why, oh, well, I'm this or I'm that, or how about me right today? Because they won't let me go back tomorrow or Tuesday. So wouldn't it just be better for me to stay home today, you know, just to not risk anything? I've got nothing. I have a negative test. I have zero symptoms what? No, yeah, I could use an excuse and be a good pastor in doing that, right? Because I, I just really want to make sure it's safe. No, it's an excuse not to assemble. And Scripture tells me, don't forsake the assembling. Now, if I had tested positive this morning, what would I have done? I'd have stayed home because that's the wisest of moves for me to do. Would it not be? Yes, it would be. Because there is that potential that something could happen. But yet what happens, though, is people, because they don't want to assemble, they make excuses, and we, oh, my knee hurts, my back hurts. Just keep on, because next week it'll continue to happen. There'll be more things that happen, and the more disobedient you get, it's amazing how profound the excuses become. But what happens is we ultimately play into the enemy's desire to keep us from assembling, we make all the excuses in the world for things that we want to do that, that Scripture speaks explicitly against. And, you know, remember, God, God's going to understand. May God have mercy on you because he's actually very plain in his word. And by the way, because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, just because you've changed doesn't change anything about truth. Just because I don't like what the Bible says to me or you don't, don't like what it says to you does not change truth. Truth is truth and always will be truth. And it doesn't matter what you or I think about it. It doesn't matter what you and I like or don't like about God's nature, plans, and purposes for our life. His purpose will stand forever. Matter of fact, Scripture says those that sow to the flesh reap destruction. Those that sow to the Spirit reap life everlasting. You want to change that one? When the scripture calls us to be holy because he is holy, well, do you not want to live in holy living because why you found yourself just so in tune with the world and doing what the world does and you just like it and you want to live like you want to, you want to act like you want to, you have this spirit man that you talk in and then you have the world man that is the 99.9% .9 of the rest of your life. But remember, it's not a big deal because I prayed a prayer 20 years ago, 15 years ago, three years ago, doesn't matter for that matter how long ago. And remember, I've got my fire insurance card. Matthew chapter 7. Many will come on that day. Did we not cast out demons, heal the sick, and raise the dead? And also, what does it also say? Broad is the road. It leads destruction. And many will go that narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. By their what you'll know them? By their fruits. It's not my word. That's God's word. So I can either recognize truth for what it is, something that doesn't change, and I can adjust my life to God's truth. God doesn't adjust to my life, just like we're watching here with Paul. Paul adjusted his life to God's word. And look at the exponential, the overwhelming blessing that represents Paul's life. Now, some of you might go, uh, Pastor, I think you're crazy because there's nothing about Paul's life that I'd want anything to deal with, want anything to do with. I would. I'd live it if I could. Why? Because the momentary trials and tribulations that Paul endured gave way to an eternity in the glorious presence of the God that he not only lived for, but he gave his life for. This time we have is nothing. It's nothing. It is vapor. It's nothing. Here today and gone tomorrow the 15th in March of this year, the 16th year at Longview Baptist Church feels like it's been nothing but about five or six years. It has gone so fast. I came in here as a 33-year-old man, and now I'm a 49-year-old man, and it has gone like the wind. The sad and scary part is, as I continually reflect on how quick those 15 years have gone, the next 30 are going to go 10 times quicker than this 15 have.
And I'm not even talking about how quickly I remember what it was when I was 23 years old, as I've told you time and time again about the time I was pulling my jet ski to the lake one day on a beautiful spring morning, gorgeous morning, life by the tail, business going well, everything was wonderful, but yet here all these years later, it feels like that was yesterday. I can still smell the air. I can still hear the music. I can experience it like it was yesterday. And it is nothing but a long-gone memory. That's why I say it might seem like a foolish life as Paul has given this life he has to what? Be continually accused of something he did not do in any respect. He cared nothing more than the people's eternal destinations. He cared nothing more about the heart of God being impressed on the hearts of these lost people and the deception with which they were caught in. Paul had such a passion for them to know truth and be snatched from the jaws of Satan, be redeemed, set free, and come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what his whole entire life's passion was. But for him to be mocked and beaten and spit on and continually over and over again placed in prison, shipwrecks, snake bit, you name it, it happened to him, and then some. Well, that sounds like a real good ministry experience, doesn't it? I reiterate scripture again, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my, for whose sake I've lost everything. Consider it rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith. I want to know him and the power of the resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in death. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about life eternal not this temporal foolishness of brokenness that is passing away like a summer storm. See, you might think we can outsmart God, but it'll never happen, church. It won't happen in your own life. We know what Scripture says in terms of the, the things that we might think are hidden in the closet. Nobody, let me tell you something. Live transparent in your life. Because then you don't have to worry about the boogeyman showing up one day. Meaning something that you think nobody's ever going to find out. Just live in truth. Live in righteousness and live as a slave to Christ. Because you never have to worry about that coming back and destroying you. Amen? Just live in the reality of truth and the love of God. And live as a slave to righteousness. You know, that doesn't mean you give your whole life away. You give your life to the Lord. You become a doulos, a slave to Christ. No greater place to be because God provides for you. God directs you. He places your steps. He gives you the full agenda of what your life's going to be. And none of those difficulties that you have to worry about, God supernaturally ordains every single part of your life when you are a slave to Christ. There's nothing more, honestly, scary to me and full of hopelessness than if I was ordaining my life steps today apart from Christ. Because there's nothing in this world right now. I, there, I listen, if I was worried about what I'm going to do in retirement, right? Okay, if me right now, not a Christian anymore, and I've got to make sure that for the next 30 years roughly that I'm going to have what I need to do what I need to do, I would be absolute scared out of my mind. Because I don't know what the stock market's going to do. The leadership of our nation, to me, it's like drunken refugees running all over the place that have no clue what's going on with anything. They don't care about anything but OPM, other people's money. They'll take our money and spend it frivolously into an oblivion until no one has anything. You want to put some money in the stock market? Oh, don't worry, Social Security. Oh, really? Do some research on that for my generation. If you really believe the delusion that it's going to be there when we get old enough for it, I got another thing to sell you. What I'm saying by this is that I could not imagine right now if I make the decisions of securing my future right now apart from God securing my future. And that, by the way, is just the earthly context of it. I'm so thankful that when I die, I don't even have to worry about anything because God has my eternity Secured, amen? 
We don't have to worry about anything. There's not going to be any devaluations. There's not going to be hyperinflation. There's not going to be wars and rumors of wars. All of that, in Scripture says, is going to be what? Part of the old order that has passed away and all things will be new. I don't have to worry about any of that. Time I've got to deal with is now and also preparing you young people to carry the torch when we pass that to you, when I either become too uh, insane or I'm, I'm too out of my mind and can't no more or can't even talk, don't know which end is up, and I come in here one Sunday morning with big black socks on up to here and a pair of shorts and think I'm dressed. And you guys have to say, listen, it's time for a passing of the torch, Brother Jonathan. Right? It happens, though. All of us, is, we don't know what's going to happen. Hey, I, don't, <laughs> I might not live three more days. We don't know. Only God knows that. So what we're, the obligation we have is to prepare for the next generation, the, the ones that are going to be the torchbearers in the future. And that's what I'm so thankful. What was Paul doing? Paul was doing exactly what I just said right now. Paul was preparing to pass the torch to the future generations. And thank you, Lord, he was faithful in doing that. Because this morning, I'm standing here reiterating the story of his faithful, steadfast completion of running that race until the day that he breathed his last breath. As God is allowing us this three-dimensional window into everything that he was and did. As he ran that race, we're watching the steps that were taken, the pain that was endured, never complaining about that. Paul stood steadfastly in that, and as we watched after the beating and imprisonment, singing praises and worshiping was his response to being mistreated for the truth. Again, what a great thing that you and I can use it's a magnifying glass, and to, in retrospect, how do we handle these things? What is our response to being mistreated for the gospel? And that really be, becomes the question. You know, I, I know one of you fe, uh, forwarded it to me this week, but someone, I had mentioned this a few months ago about the woman in uh, Europe who had been, basically it's Orwell 1984, really, because she was arrested because of her thoughts. She was in front of an abortion clinic. She was praying not out loud, and they, it's against the law there to pray in front of an abortion clinic, so guess what? They arrested her for her silent prayer. She said, I may be praying when they asked her what she was doing, and thankfully, she was ultimately acquitted of it months and months later, but it was a big ordeal, but imagine if you can think about the time coming in this nation, and it has even come, because there are uh, the steps of the Supreme Court, go out there at night, go out and step on the city, you want to stop, bow your head and start praying and find out what's going to happen to you. The people that did it were, what was it, 90 seconds? There was somebody in front of them at 90 seconds escorting them away. They will not even let them stand there and pray. Not part of what's conducive to culture now. And if you think this stuff is not real, you got another thing coming. You better pull your head out of the sand, but most importantly, start praying. Start praying that God would give us back the freedoms that we, ready? Don't you hate this? We have allowed to disappear. That we have allowed to disappear, and if we don't do something, we'll continue to allow to evaporate right in front of us. But listen to verses 14 through 19 again. Not long afterwards, a fierce wind called the nor'easter rushed down from the islands. Since the ship was caught and unable to head into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. After running under the shelter of a little island called Cadia, we were barely able to get control of the skiff. After hoisting it up, they used ropes and tackle and girded the ship. Then, fearing they would run aground on Sartis, they lowered the drift anchor, and in this way, they were driven along. Because we were being severely battered by the storm, they began to jettison the cargo the next day. And on the third day, they threw the ship's gear overboard with their own hands. Leads the second thing I want to share with you this morning, and it is this. God's abilities are limitless in leading where he needs us. You might not know a lot about this time in history. Okay, now... If you decide that you don't like a tool, it's not acting appropriately, and maybe you have a person that has a hard time controlling your temper, and these days you take one of your tools and you just, you just destroy it. A friend of mine one time years ago, I'll never forget it, the uh, Sony Discmans were brand new. You had the, the CD players, and it was about that big. A friend of mine had given it to my friend as a gift. And he was a, an underprivileged young man, 
And this friend had given him this, and this other, this fellow who'd gotten this gift was one of my friends. I knew him very well. So he's walking down the road one day, listening to his disc man, and it stopped uh, working appropriately. Well, this man had an unbridled temper from a life of abuse as a younger person, and as he's walking down the road, this thing just let him down. So instead of that normal person would go home and figure out what the issue has been, he took that thing and he just slammed it on the ground and destroyed it. After, came up and was talking to the friend who'd given it to him, so you know, it quit working. And uh, it really made me mad, and, and I broke it. He said, Rocky, did you think about the batteries? With which he said, no, I never thought of that. Well, back then, I say that to say back then, when you went to buy that thing, it's about $200. That was a lot of money back then. Now with us, see, these days, that's more on the line of a whole lot more money back in this time we're speaking about. When we break something, we can go to Harbor Freight and pick up a new one for 12 bucks. So we don't know what it's like to have that level of respect for things because everything's become so cheap. Well, starting not to be, but everything's been so cheap that we don't have to have the value in things. During this period of time, you don't jettison cargo, friends. Your life could be on the line for doing this. This was a time in history where there was not plenty. Things were very expensive, and shipping was the, was the way that you got things from point A to point B. When you start throwing your supplies overboard, you're in big, big trouble, meaning there is imminent threat of death, and that's why they were doing this. This was serious business right now. This is what you got to understand. Remember, Paul gave them full warning in the very beginning. There's going to be a great loss to potentially cargo and life. God has thankfully showed them that there's not going to be a loss of life, but there's going to be a great loss of cargo in this journey. So they're throwing stuff overboard. They're freaked out. Anybody know what a nor'easter is? Anybody ever been around a nor'easter? Let me tell you one thing. Those are fierce storms. Those are the type of storms that in between usually around November and March, they can dump two, three, four, five. Last year, if I remember correctly, wasn't there six feet of snow drop somewhere last year as a result of a nor'easter. They carry enormous energy with them, and a lot of times they're almost hurricane force type winds was not the uh, boat um, perfect storm that was a nor'easter that sunk that boat in the the movie the, the perfect storm that's how dangerous nor'easters are this is a death almost level of a hurricane death inducing type of storm that has occurred why has this occurred because of god's providence and god's plan god's abilities are limitless in leading us where he needs to be and god will stop at nothing if you and I are a roadblock in his path or his plan to carry something out. Don't think so? There is a litany of people in history that are cautionary tales of what not to do. You want to be one of those? I would encourage you not to because God doesn't even have to think to remove the roadblock if you and I become one of them. That's why I've always told people in churches, I don't ever want to be a roadblock in the way of what God wants to do in a church body. No way. Even as the pastor. Because I will tell you one thing, God will get you right out of the way faster than you can blink. My dad, had a past, uh, my dad was pastoring a church in Charlotte, and one of the, the, the men who was their custodian was a pastor also. He was having a bunch of trouble with his deacons. He told my dad one day, he said, I'm having real trouble with two of my deacons. They're causing all kinds of trouble, causing all kinds of mayhem. And he just was, him and my dad began praying about it. Church, both those deacons were dead in 30 days. You might go, there's no way that just happened. You've lost your mind. You know why? Not only the scriptures say, do not lay hands on my prophets, do not touch my anointed. That's what scripture says. But people don't have a fear of God. That's why when you take part in the body of Christ in an unworthy manner, that's why many of you are weak, sick, and a number of you sleep. That's scripture. What, what God's saying in that is don't mess around with the holiness of what this institution represents. Don't mess around with believing that you can be Ananias and Sapphira and nothing's going to happen because, you know, God understands. No, God has called us to live in a certain way and live according to his purpose and his plan. And God forbid that you or I stand in the way of what God wants to do. He's going to be serious about doing it because his abilities are limitless. And leading us where he needs us to be, 
or removing us as an obstacle to what God wants to do. Very important to understand. This scripture should cause you to shake. God cannot be mocked. It doesn't say might not, should not, will not. It says he cannot be mocked. Those that sow to the flesh reap destruction. Those that sow to the spirit reap life everlasting. Don't mock God. Don't take part in the holiness of God and mock him by believing that you can live in contradiction to the scripture, but yet call yourself an obedient, yielded follower of Christ. Live a life that Paul, live this short, meaningless nothing. Read Ecclesiastes tonight or tomorrow. It's not that many books. It's a great, or not that many chapters. It's a great, great reminder of how fleeting time, how fleeting, but how immaculately massive eternity is and how beautiful it's going to be in his presence by he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose, what Jim Elliot said shortly before being killed. Jim Elliot didn't realize when he made that statement that he was literally on the cusp of walking off into eternity serving the Lord God above. And he walked off into eternity having said that statement which has resonated with me so profoundly because of the truth of it. You're not a fool when you give what you can't keep. What can we not keep? We can't keep this world and this life. This is nothing. The money, the influence, the relationship, nothing. It's absolutely nothing. It's fleeting. By the way, your children, those of you who have young children, you feel like the world's a million years long. It's going to pass by. When you get married, you're like, one day we'll have kids. Next thing you know, you'll be standing there and your kids will be the age you are. And you'll go, what happened to time? It's one thing you can't hang on to. But what can you hang on to? The solid truth of God's promises. All of them. Not one of them will fail. Not one will fail to be fulfilled. And that's what you can hold to. So God's abilities are limitless in leading where God wants to lead. And then verses 20 through 26, and we'll finish up. For many days, neither the sun nor stars appeared. And the severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope that we would be saved was disappearing. Since many were going without food, Paul stood up among them and said, You men should have followed my advice, not sailed from Crete and sustained this damage and loss. Now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. For this night, an angel of God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And look, God has graciously given you all of those who are sailing with you. Therefore, take courage, men, because I believe, God, that it will be just the way it was told to me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Third and final thing I'm going to share with you this morning is this. Let your hope be built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You know, as I was reflecting on what God would have me share, that that hymn just continued to pop up in my mind. Might just be because I don't believe it, but I, I might think because I just love that song, I don't know. But I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt it was from the Lord. But another one that I really love, you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. If you know that song, you can have this stuff. There's been a lot of nice cars in my lifetime that were beautiful cars. I remember in about 1984, you know, seeing one of the first Lamborghinis I'd ever seen in my life. You know, the, the 1984 Lamborghini Countach, beautiful car. Remember that? You look at it now, it looks like some kind of freak machine. It, those things, you know, unless you have an enormous amount of money, they sit in somebody's garage somewhere, and somebody sits back and opines about owning this car, but it's a, a picture of yesteryear. I remember when I was young, the, uh, the Chevrolet um, Berettas were very popular, 1987, 88, 89. Very, you had one of those, man, you were somebody. And of course, you had the 85-ish Camaros, you know, you had, there was just a lot of cars, but I remember those cars, and I remember being a car person, and I just really loved to look at cars. But now when I look at those, it's just a sign of passing away. Those things go to the junkyards, and they pass away. Houses, you can get somebody to build a beautiful house. You know, I've learned to, to now I look a lot and realize that there was a lot of places even between here and where we live in Petersburg, there were little towns all dotted everywhere. They didn't have Walmart. 
Everybody in your town didn't go to the Walmart, didn't go to the Lowe's. Each one of your communities had their general stores. You had your little stores, and you had your general store, and you had your feed, you had your, your uh, blacksmith. Each little town had their own little sustaining community. A lot of those are gone now. Most of them are gone. You had a center of a, a county or a center of an area now that we have like this in Shelbyville. It used to be Wartrace and Bellbuckle and Petersburg. They all had their own towns and had railroads going through them. Everything is so different now. There were beautiful houses. I love the architecture from the late 1800s and early 1900s, but they're very few and far between. You can tell where houses were because the buttercups will tell you a lot of times where the property lines were, where the actual house sat. But you can get fortunate when you're headed out of our place where you can actually see where steps were, the concrete's still there, nothing else. All of that was somebody's hopes and dreams at one point in history. Matter of fact, at the turn of the century, in the early 1900s, the average age, if I remember correctly, was around 42 years old, I think, max. That was the what the people were living to. There's a tombstone next to our property. And I've said this before. Those of you who remember it will appreciate it. Those of you who hadn't heard this will probably make you do some thinking today. And this tombstone was put back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And it says, Man, as you walk by, I once was. As I am, you will be. I see that thing every day. I've been looking at it every day now as I pass by it for 10 years. I was 39 years old when I started looking at it. Now, 49. And the reality of the truth of that statement that's been speaking to people for, what, 130-some years now, potentially? 120-some at at the, the least, it's speaking truth that God's word's been speaking for thousands of years. What that means is you can't hang on to this life and the things of this life. You can if you want to. But you'll find out what Michael Jackson and every other person in history who had money and things and power finds out. One day, this overwhelming phenomenon occurs to you. It's when you become overwhelmingly hypoxic, meaning your cells don't have enough air in them, and you die. By the way, unless Jesus comes back, there's not one of us that's going to get out of going that way. Not one. Every single one of us will go the way of the forefathers, meaning we're going to die. And my question to you this morning is, are you striving, are you hanging on to this life are you investing everything like Ellison and all these rich billionaires that are trying to extend their lives because they don't want to die? They want this. They want to hang on to this life. Are you one of those people that's been a fool believing you can strive for the foolishness of this life and also serve God? You can't serve two masters. You're going to love one and hate the other. You can't serve God and money. There's no way you can do it. You can try it. You can believe that you're going to live like the enemy, live like the devil, live like the world, and just have your God side, get your fire insurance. I want to tell you something. Scripture speaks explicitly against it. I want to encourage you to do something this morning, to live a life like Paul. Be a fool for Christ. Be sold out. Be a Jesus freak. You want to read that book? It's like the Fox's Book of Mark. Jesus freak. has got Rich Mullins, great life, a great life, powerful testimony, a real guy, struggled suffered real battles and struggles just like us, wanting nothing more than to be a humble servant of the King of kings and Lord of lords. We have the ability to do that this morning, but not one of us knows what the clock says above our heads. And that's that thing I always say, that if we had a clock on top of our heads counting down the number of hours and minutes and days and years we had left, imagine if you or I had just a few hours or days left on your clock. Would that change the way you're living right now? Now remember... If that would change the way you're living, is it really you wanting to change or is it a fear? The good part, but also the scary part is God knows your heart. And I want to encourage you today to make that step not based on your fear because then you have to even judge your motives of your own heart then. 
How about the motives in this morning? Why are you going to be sold out for Christ? Because you realize life doesn't work without being steadfastly sold out to Christ. Nothing works. Not only do you not marry the right person, you don't have the right job. You don't have the right motives. You're running around like a pinball in a pinball machine getting thrown here and thrown there and losing everything to the foolishness of what Satan wanted to do all the, the time through every step. He merely wanted to rob you of everything that God desired to bless you with. And how long you buy the lie, I can't say. All I can do is with everything in me, Stand up week in and week out and proclaim the truth of the gospel to you. What you do with it is where I go back to with Paul and the people on the ship that I started with at the beginning of this. Paul lived the, the, he lived the truth in front of him. He proclaimed the truth. He told them why what was happening was happening. What they did with that truth was up to them the same way this morning. What you do with the truth is up to you. My question to you is, where do you go forward from here? Scripture says it's better not to know the way of righteousness than to know the way of righteousness and turn your back on the sacred command that was passed down to you. I would challenge and encourage you this morning to seek the Lord with all your heart because the word says when you seek him with all your heart, this is the promise, he says, I will be found. What does this world have for you? I beg you to answer that question to me. What does the world have for you that God doesn't? What will this world give you that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that guards your hearts in Christ Jesus will. What? I challenge you to tell me what is worth throwing away the life of living in the glory of the risen Savior and his forgiveness, being able to boldly enter God's presence, being able to dwell in his presence 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Abba, Father, God, your ways aren't my ways, your thoughts aren't my thoughts, but I know, Lord, no matter where you send me, not only will you provide for me, you'll protect me, God will convict you, he will place every step as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 promises. But again, what is wisdom that's not acted on? It's the, fool of, the food of fools. We have the ability, we have the free will. As hard as it is for me to justify that, I want God more than anything else to defy mankind's will to rebel against him. But that would not be a loving God, would it? A loving God has to give mankind the free will to allow them to reject or accept that gift of salvation. And my challenge to you is to ask yourself, step back, I don't, I don't say, believe what I say. I want you to seek the face of God. I just ask you to step back and do an introspective, look inside, look in the mirror and say, God, what is the condition of my heart? If you don't like what you see, my question to you is, are you going to engage in insanity, which is doing the same thing over expecting a different outcome? Or are you going to say today, I want to draw a line in the sand because I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick of the lies of the enemy. I'm sick of the deception I'm sick of him robbing me of what God intended for my life to be. And one day I'll stand there and give an account for my life and the only person that I will be able to hold responsible for what I've done with my life is myself. We will all stand there one day and we can stop giving excuses this morning for why we're not doing what we should be doing or we can decide today to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. As that song says, so childlike, and meaning many places children's ministries sing that, but what adult truth, amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning. God, for the rich glory of the treasure of your word, Father, thank you. Father, as we have been watching overwhelming power and evidence, Lord, of the supernatural provision, the leading and guiding in Paul's life. Father, thank you for that. Lord, the encouragement and even the conviction, Father, when we step outside of your plan and will and how you lovingly convict us and you lovingly put obstacles to bring us back to where we need to be. God, thank you. 
Father, I pray this morning, Lord, for each and every person here. You know what each one of us needs. You know where each one of us are at. And Lord, I pray today, if anyone in this building or watching online is buying the lie, Lord, that you have overwhelmingly convicted them. Father, if there's one here watching online that does not know you as Lord and Savior, God, show them. Reveal the condition of their heart so that they might know you in the fullness in the glorious cross of Jesus Christ, not being the conviction one day as they are convicted eternally of being lost and without hope, but let the cross represent the gift of salvation, Father, as they embrace the forgiveness that comes through knowing Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection and fellowship of sharing and what the cross means. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your word as it's able to convict us, lead us, and let you speak to everything in our lives that on a daily basis we need spoken to. Father, thank you, Lord, that during this invitation time this morning, you're able to do what only you can do, and God, we give this whole time to you. We give each person here. Father, I pray that there'd be mighty deliverances that happen this morning, that not only did that conviction be felt, Father, but the freedom that comes through the confession of sin, as 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, thank you for those truths today. And Father, as your word says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Father, those this morning that need rest, I pray they'd come to you, confess the sin or whatever it is that's hindering their walk with you, and experience the Psalm 51 blessing of when King David had repented. Restore unto them the joy of their salvation, Father. Lord, let not one person leave here in disobedience or out of step with your plan for their life. Lord, if there's one here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray today will be the day of salvation for them. As they know their need, they, they understand their need, they turn from the life they're living the life that Jesus Christ died to give us and the forgiveness that's found only in our confession of sin and placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We commit all this to you and we ask it in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us.